Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to all. Good morning. We welcome you to Astounding Love Church, a global church fellowship. We are at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard, San Jose, California. Our web address is www.astoundinglove.org. My name is Minister Dury Foster, and it is a, a joy and a, a privilege to be here today. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm so happy that I woke up this morning. Amen? See, some people don't have stuff to say, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Be thankful that you woke up this morning. Because somebody didn't wake up this morning. And not only woke up, am I in my right mind? Amen? You might have woke up and not been in your right mind. <laughs> really, really, I'm in my right mind. I know some people don't think we're in our right minds, but we're in our right minds. And we serve an awesome and amazing God. Amen? Come on, somebody. Praise God. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness, for your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for waking us up this morning in our right minds with the activities of our limbs. We thank you that we're here at this place at this appointed time right now to do what you have called us to do, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. We pray for those that are here in the building, those that are joining us by periscope and by conference and other means. Those that are partners with us all around the nation and the world, we thank you for them, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are doing mighty things here in the earth realm through Astounding Love Church, oh God. And those kingdom citizens that are willing to do what you called us to do in this season, in this very hour. We love you today, Lord God. We glorify you. And we wait with expectation on what you're going to bring forth today. We wait and we have a heart to receive when you will speak to us today. Let us today, Lord God, commit ourselves to be doers of God of what you tell us to do so that we can do and we can be what you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a big old hallelujah hand praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 You may be seated. Amen, amen. The Bible tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So when you come in here and come into the house of the Lord, you should come in with thanksgiving and praise because God is good all the time. Not some of the time, not occasionally, not on Mondays or Sundays only. All the time, God is good. And no matter what your situation is, God is still good. No matter what you're going through, God is still good. Amen. As I was preparing for this morning, I, I saw a little Mimi on Facebook, and uh, after I saw it, I laughed about it because it reminded me so much of my mother and my grandmother. But the Lord began to turn something on the inside of me on this little thing. And uh, uh, what it was was it said that my mother used to say every now and then to us, uh, uh, keep on talking. <laughs> Keep on talking. Yeah. Now, if you grew up in my type of household, what that meant is you better shut your mouth. <laughs> you better be quiet. Because if you keep on talking, there's going to be some repercussions. Now, occasionally, there would be one wise brother or sister that would decide to keep on talking. <laughs> and then mother would uh, uh, show them 
the errors of their ways very quickly. And the rest of us quickly understood that keep on talking meant to shut up. <laughs> Why am I telling you about this? We're talking about tithes, offerings, and gifts of love. Much of what you've learned in your life, even in Christian, you're going to have to reprogram yourself so that you can live a kingdom lifestyle. Because God wants you to keep on talking, speaking his word. Amen? The other thing they used to say, my mother used to say, is try me. How many of you heard that before? Now what that means for those of you who did not grow up in such a household is... Uh, 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 in other words, test me. And they had a way of shaking their head and rolling their eyes and getting all indictive about it. Try me. And my mother would say it in a matter, but it would send a chill down your spine. Now, the other thing my grandmother was notorious for was just simply looking at you. And she would look at you in a manner, no matter who you were, how old you were, that would make you feel like you were that big. Without speaking a word, she was able to let you understand that there was displeasure in what you were doing. Why is that important for us today? Because we're talking about tithes and offerings and all of that. And when the Bible says, God says, bring all of your tithes and offerings into the storehouse and see what I will do, he's telling you to try him. So that's just the opposite of what you were trained to believe to do. So you have to reprogram yourself. There is something in the Bible called the law of first mention. And when you first hear it, and this is when my law of first mention was, I didn't try grown folks. <laughs> now, I didn't just say my mother and father. I said grown folks, period. Why? Because we were taught to have a level of respect. But when we come into God, and if we're to be kingdom citizens, we have to learn to program our mind to do and think the way God wants us to think. Because if we do that, then we're able to be effective kingdom citizens for this season, for this hour, for this time. So God wants you to try him. So why do we, yes. you can bring your tithes and offerings, you have those. Yes. God yes. wants yes. you to yes. try him in yes. this matter. Because he said if you do it, you can try him to know that he's not a liar. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He wants you to do that. In fact, the Bible says, let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalms 19 and 14. In other words, the words that are coming out of your mouth, let them be the words that God speaks, that they are acceptable in the earth realm, and that they have an effective force, and that they can bring life into the situation. Yes, yes, yes. So my question to you this morning is, what are you speaking about your situation? What are you speaking Keep on talking, keep on talking, but as you keep on talking, as you keep on speaking, speak what God says. That's right. Ooh, yes. So you look at what's going on in your life and you wonder, why is things going all awry? I would challenge you to check what you're saying. 
If you're saying all oh, things just uh, they're just not getting better. Every time I look around, it's this and that and all of this. The Bible says God is perfecting the things that concern me. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how often you have tried it and you have failed or it does not seem that it's moving that way. You keep on speaking what you want God to do in your life. Because otherwise you're speaking not from the realm of God, but from the realm of darkness. If you don't speak what God's speaking, you're not speaking in faith. You can't speak in faith and you're speaking in doubt. Because God says he don't want anything that's in doubt. He wants nothing wavery like the wave of the sea that's moving around. He don't want any of that. He wants you to come boldly before the throne of grace. He wants you to come boldly before him and speak what you want. So, the Lord will perfect the things that concern me. Yes, he does. Yes, he How does he do that? He perfects it through my words. That's right. He perfects the things concerning me through what I speak, Judge Connie. That's how he perfects it through me. Now, if you want perfection in what you're doing now, keep on speaking what you're talking about. Keep on speaking doubt, brokenness, and all the unbelief and stuff. And guess what you're going to get? That's what you're going to get. I like it. Guess what? what? Guess what? Guess what? That's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to get. Yes. But for me, I have decided that no matter what happens, I'm going to say what God says. I'm going to say what God says about me and my situation. I'm going to say what God says about me and my health. I'm going to say what God says about me and my finances. I'm going to say what God says about me and my destiny. My destiny here is good and it has a good end, an expected end. That's what I'm going to speak. I don't care what it looks like. By his stripes, I'm already healed. I was healed from the foundation of the earth. That's what I'm going to speak. So the question is, what are you going to speak? Are you going to keep speaking that old mamsie-pamsie stuff you've been speaking? Or are you going to speak what God said to speak? So this is what it says, and this is important, Matthew 12 and 34, because it really boils down to this, as Pastor Lanzini is preparing to come, and we're going to pray over the offering. It boils down to this one thing, what is in your heart? That's right. Because what you have in your heart is what you speak from your mouth. That's right. The Bible says in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Many times we have it down in our heart because we have hurts, pains, and all other things, and that's what we speak. And that's all people know about us. They don't even know you have a relationship with God because all they hear from you is doubt, unbelief, and, and doomsday. So make it up in your mind today how you're going to change. <laughs> what are you saying about the nation? Are you saying the nations, oh my God, we're going to fail, we're going to fall, it's over. Oh no, no, that's not what I'm speaking about, the nation. Our best days are yet to come. Come on, somebody. Oh, our best days are on the horizon. Why? Because I'm a kingdom citizen and I'm in the court of, I'm in a part of the court. 
it, right here in the earth. And I can speak things, and they become legislative things, and they become things that are active in the earth realm. That's right. That's right. Because I'm a part of the legislature right here in the earth realm. Yeah, that's right. God told me I can rule and reign right here, right now. And that's what we're supposed to do. Ruling and reigning, not being ruled over and reigned over. Come on, everybody stand, please. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness. Father, we thank you for the tithes, the offerings, and the gifts of love that have been brought forth. We pray that you bless those and multiply them in Jesus' name. We pray that the words that you have spoken this morning, that those that are here and those that are joining us remotely will take those words as light. And they will begin to use them to change their lives. And that you, oh God, will show yourself to be true to each and every one of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Pastor Lonnie is coming. Let's welcome her. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I do believe I took it off of you. I did. Glory to God. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So many things. So many things. Oh God, so let's pray in tongues.
Glory to God in the highest. That's what we say. Glory to God in the highest. And he decreed peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your goodwill. Thank you. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your goodwill. All in the person of Jesus, we know. And thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can declare and decree if we choose that I have absolutely no problems whatsoever. I have absolutely no worries in my head. I have absolutely no fear in this life because you have bestowed peace on earth and goodwill. You have given covenant relationship. You have given love. You have given us blood. You have given us the name that is above every other name. You have given us yourself. And we take it. We receive it. I thank you that there is joy for sorrow. The oil you said of joy for memory. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That we can rejoice in the Lord. In your name and in who you are. And joy we know is only a byproduct of the kingdom. We thank you for the special gifts, the, the special endowments that you have given to us simply because we are yours. We are yours. We are yours. Oh, before we were yours, but we are yours. And I thank you for that. I thank you that your words, Holy Spirit, that the heart of the Father is ministered to me today. Break, 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 break. We break everything. Break whatever would stand against you. I thank you that our ears are anointed this morning to listen for the and yes, to hear yes, you yes. when you speak. And I thank you that our hearts are open for the surgical procedures that are necessary to remove hardness, your word, yes. entering in, bringing life and giving understanding. I thank you, Father, for the honor of being able to stand here in this place and be able to be one that brings forth or presents your word. And I thank you that I do not take it lightly. I thank you, Father. We thank you today for the congregations that are showing up that their pastor's no longer there. We pray for our brothers and sisters that have endured a hardship that we have been graced not to experience. We pray for the congregation of Pastor Anthony. We pray for Pastor Leah Blackman today. Not just say I pray for. 
but we release the compassion of God and the strengthening. And thank you for the release of the angelic in that place to uphold your word as she will uphold your honor. We pray for their sons. We pray for their assistants, for all of the staff, for those that have stood and who may be wondering what happened, why did, and, and then they speak the lie. Why did God allow this to happen? We pray that understanding comes, yes, that you have yes, already yes. set up your ministers of grace and truth and mercy to minister to them, to bring help hearts to come to the healing place and the wholeness place. We pray for them as though we were having to pray for ourselves. What would we want from you? What kind of comfort, what kind of grace, what kind of power would we want you to release in our midst if we were in the midst of such devastation? We speak the compassion of God. This is not a song. Oh, well, bless those little people and all of the rest of us. This is family. These are our sisters and our brothers. This is family. And if it touched one, it touched all. And so we praise you this morning. We thank you that he is in a safe place. We thank you that Anthony is with you. But we praise you, Leah, for her sons, for their family, for the for Alfonso, and for all of the ministry. We pray for Apostle Cal. We pray for every interest. I pray for Dr. Baker. I pray for Pastor Henry Killings and all of the others, all of the people that were the nucleus of the of, of Christ Union way back in the day. Those of us that started out together went different ways, but everyone is touched because he touched our lives. And I thank you for the seed that has been sown in the ground through Anthony Blackman. But I call for the harvest as the tears water, as the words are spoken, that there is a redemption for the house. That there will not be a falling away from you. There will not be a departure from truth. There will not be a yielding to the temptation to believe a lie. But the word that you put in his heart to come forth as a burning fire will now bear fruit as such as he's not seen before. That his prayers will not be unanswered. And even as he is now part of the cloud of witnesses, we continue on to say and to do because this is the heart and this is Jesus we're talking about. The heart of Yeshua. The will of God being made known in Pittsburgh and throughout that county. We call for the harvest in the name of Jesus. In the name in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Um, this is not going to be a tribute to him, but um, I'm not, I thought he moved in the office as a prophet, but I know he's a pastor. Um, his name is Anthony Blackman, and just very brief, real brief history. <laughs> I thank you. <laughs> but it's still going to be briefest. <laughs> um, so many years back, when I first uh, started pursuing the things of God, it's because I was introduced to my mom and her sidekick, well, her partner, her partner, um, 
At the time, she was known as Dorothy Small. And they would go to different places, but they had had a taste of the Word of God. They'd been listening to dangerous preachers, such as Marilyn Hickey. And um, hearing things about the Word of God that just weren't being preached in traditional houses. And they went on a journey and ended up somehow in Mountain View. California and came to this little church on um, School Street, actually the street is called Escuela. And they went into this place at the time it was known as Christ Union Missionary Baptist Church. And they heard a man of God by the name of Don C. Sylvester preach a message that Baptist preachers did not, were not at that time known to preach. He preached the Bible. I don't mean he pulled scriptures and he used traditional stories, but I mean he preached the Bible and he searched the word and he fought against tongues and then until he got them, he met up with another dangerous person, a, a man by the name of Dr. Lester Sumrall, who told him you are in rebellion and disobedience. And he got that straight that day. And when he did, let me tell you, everybody that had Processed curly hair, it went straight. <laughs> processed straight hair, it went curly. Eyes that, that used to just see sunken in sockets started bulging because what this man was preaching was so against tradition right. Right. that you looked at this and said, I don't know what they said because I didn't know enough about tradition at that time to, to go. But I came to that church on, I believe it was New Year's Eve of whatever the year. And we came to that church, and that's the first time he preached, and it pricked me, because I had been, um, I had prayed, I was actually saved, I didn't know I was saved, I've said this before, and um, I had just been saved a few months before, uh, I think earlier, uh, January of that same year, and I had moved from Los Angeles up, up here, and so here we are, we're going to this place, and he just, it just changed, and we thought, we got to hear him again. The next day, we went um, we went back, and when we went back, he, they did, in those days, now, some parts were still traditional, so he said, we have four calls. The call for salvation. The call for assurance of salvation. The call for, actually, my God, the call for uh, church membership, I think it was. And uh, maybe they didn't do the fourth call at that time. And so church membership meant that you came with I'm going to put this in quotes, Christian experience. And since I've been saved since January, I went for Christian experience. Because the way I process the Christian experience meant I don't have to have the salvation because I already got it. So I guess I just come with the experience. And um, that's a whole other story. Okay. During that time, I mean, that day I joined that church. And I stayed there until I ended up moving to uh, to. Um, but I stayed in that church and I learned things. This man of God walked in an integrity that drew people. And he had a group of very fierce men in there. And one of them was Anthony Blackman. Anthony Blackman was in fact one of those ones that he just, he, he had to pierce the membrane. He had to keep going. He got a hunger for God. And he and his wife, Leah, decided to buy a house. And they met this woman who was a real estate agent who didn't stay at the church. She was only there long enough to get me to dropped off. But she went on. And it was we know her as Dr. Baker. She wasn't Dr. Baker at that time. But this is who he met. 
She helped him and another young man, another young lion by the name of Henry Killicks, to purchase homes. They were first homes, townhomes. They didn't want townhomes, but she taught them. And they got educated, and they did that, and then they prospered. And so these two men were like, they, like Barnabas and Saul or whatever. They were, they were always a pair. And they would get together, and they would pray, and they would do this. And then there came another cluster of other men that were identified. And they, it, it just was something fierce. But these two, Anthony Blackman and Henry Killings, decided to go out. They had known another dangerous man of God by the name of Dr. Raymond DeRoe. Well, it was Dr. DeRoe's where I'm going with this. Yes, he brought, that is true, and I'll, I'll come back to that. But at any rate, and, and in the city of Pittsburgh, and they were from Pittsburgh, even though they were now living in the San Jose area, and they had a heart to change their home, where they came from, because of the way Pittsburgh was and, and all of that. And so they were pushing for that and pushing for that, but it wasn't time. And so, but this is what was in their hearts to do. And so then, um, one of which I just recently learned, uh, the man we know is Apostle Calvin Cook. He was at that time a teacher over at Cathedral of Faith. And he taught dangerous things because he taught about intercessory prayer. And he taught about intercessory prayer uh, uh, along the lines of some things that he had garnered and then God opened up that he learned from a dangerous woman by the name of Bobby Jean Merck. All right. And he brought this crazy kind of idea about praying. He was invited because our church, Christ Union, no longer missionary Baptist, now Faith Fellowship, um, <laughs> into learning how to pray as a congregation. Because by then, pretty much everybody was praying in tongues. They had been fighting it, but people who were surrendering every week, they were falling like, just falling like logs or trees, just falling. From up, being uprooted from old ways and coming into something else. And all of this was going on. And the hunger that when, when, when Anthony um, was the one that um, introduced us to Apostle, well, he was Calvin Cook then, and, and bringing, bringing all of this together. And what was happening to me at that time was, I don't know what was happening to me, but um, there was a lot of stuff that was going on. And I had this strange phenomenon. It wasn't, it, it wasn't anything I would do. But the power of God would get to be so strong, I just all of a sudden fall. And I wasn't trying to do it. I surely wasn't interested in doing it. And if you saw what I looked like, you'd know that it wasn't something anybody wanted to catch me if I could have it. So it wasn't that. But I would fall sometimes and hit things. I hit the back of a, uh, my head hit the back of a chair or a bench or something. And somebody said, that has to hurt. She must be bleeding. You might have to call an ambulance. No, because honestly, God had brought, I, I fell on feathers. It's not something you can do by rope. It's something that was happening to me. And really what I know now, looking back, was I was being made aware of certain things in the spirit, and I would go through surgery because there was so much wrong with me, honestly. So many wounds and all this other stuff that this was just one of the ways. But let me just say that when we're ignorant, we can sometimes mock and judge. And so there was a lot of ignorance, and there were a lot of different things that, that, that transpired. I learned to stand in the midst of persecution from within. It wasn't intentional in the sense that people didn't like me. You just have to understand, I was not a reliable person. And I was, oh, just spreading wounds everywhere like a dandelion. It was just going all over the place. 
And the, they didn't know how to deal with that because everybody else is pursuing their own healing and wholeness, you see. But there were things that had shifted because I was sent off by my mom, actually, and I went to hear a dangerous preacher, a whole bunch of them. One is named Kenneth Copeland. And in that particular meeting I went to, there was another man of God, R.W. Shambach. And then there was another man who came that day, um, Jerry Savell. Then another man came, Oral Roberts. This is in one meeting. And then another man came, Willie George. And then another, uh, another person came, uh, Barbie, Bobby G. Merck. And then another great intercessor, I think intercessor, Lynn Hammond. Um, then there was Gloria Copeland. And then there was uh, T.L. Osborne. Um, I came across him. Uh, Willie George and I, T.L. Osborne was in a different meeting. But all of these different people came. Oh, and then Dr. Larry Lee. And they were teaching on prayer. They were teaching on those things. I came back right about the time we started going to Pittsburgh to see what was there. Because we started creating a relationship with Dr. Durow and uh, going there. Because Anthony and Hank were hungry. And it took the whole family down this feeding to go on. So it's a lot of different things that transpire. But I said all that about being sent to Texas because the bus broke down. Um, we had rented a bus and it was driven by Albert Walthall. <laughs> he didn't break the bus. He was the only one in the church at the time that had a license, a commercial license, that he was sort of, he could drive the bus. So um, we're sitting outside this building and all these great, strong people are out there, uh, you know, but immediately when the mechanical happened, they went to mechanical and not to spiritual. And I'm sitting there on the bus because by this time I don't talk because I have said so many things and done so many things. I was learning the vocabulary of silence. Thou shall not speak anything that sounds like faith in front of these people kind of stuff. Well, God said, no, that's not what I say. And that's going to be the point of Biblical Solutions for Life today, is that I had heard this teaching while I had been in Texas. And it was simply out of Chronicles where he said, I'm the Lord of the breakthrough. And they kept saying there was something with the brakes. <laughs> now, if you understand that I'm very little, yeah. little-minded, though I am an excellent speller, I knew the word wasn't spelled properly for brakes. But breakthrough was different. And so God said, go lay hands on the, 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 the bus and pray. I didn't want to. You gotta understand, you, gotta, you understand what I'm saying? Because y'all said the same time. I go, oh, no, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Okay, I was, those, those were my moments of that same type of thing. So imagine going to the front and talking to the strong lions and saying to them, and they all looked at me. And there's a, this is going to dovetail. Well, they go, well, go ahead. <laughs> you can't, you can't, I don't think you can hurt it. So go ahead. But nobody really, you know, it was kind of like, what is she doing now? Because see, I had come back strange too. I had become one of these kind of strange people, stranger. And um, I go outside. I said, you said that you are the Lord of the breakthrough, mm -hmm. and I tell these breaks to work in the name of Jesus, something like that. And there were a lot of witnesses to this prayer, you know, looking at me. And then I said this. I said, start the bus. 
Because the bus hadn't started. The bus started. The bus started. And we went to Pittsburgh. And so I feel that that was yeah. my contribution. <laughs> fast forward, they ended up going. They went. They forged. They worked together, and they did the things that they did. And that man has all Anthony Blackman, the trailblazer, and one that was pushing the membrane, pushing through, not being satisfied with status quo. That's what we're going to talk about today. And... He wanted what God had to the point that he pursued it. He didn't wait for it to be done. That's a biblical solution. Going to the next one. That uh, the passivity. We're, we're talking about the culture of the kingdom of God and the power to change life. Well, power is an action word. Mm-hmm. It's not just, we, we, could, we could talk about the, the currents from PG&E or such that they're, you know, the power is quiet in those in those wide, in those um, cables and things, uh, telephone lines. There's power and working there. You can't see it. You experience it through your appliances or devices that are working. And if you try to touch it, it can kill you because it's raw power and it has to be harnessed. But the point of it is, is that. The power of the changed life is that we are the conveyor, we are the containers for the power of God. And it is not meant to sit silently in us. It's it's, it's something that is to flow through us so that everything we touch is affected by the power, even if they don't see the power. And they don't. And it doesn't even matter if they do. What happens is is that we, we release the power so that they experience the power. Yes, yes. So that their devices and their appliances, the appliances, the things that they need to apply into their life, and the devices that they had walked under that were demonic, now change. Okay? So those are some of the things that we look at. The power of a changed life is demon in you. But if we don't release it, if we we're to harness it and to release it, we should let it flow through us. It is not supposed to be clogged, and it's not to be unplugged from the source. That's right. So, victorious kingdom living begins with what? Go to the next one. Being immersed. And I was total immersion in the kingdom life and culture. There's no middle ground. That's right. It is not waiting in the water or partial immersion, dipped, you know, and then getting out. This is something that you have to stay in. It's something that total immersion also speaks to, um, not only am I in, but it's in me. And this is where the word, we've heard Apostle Baker say this, allowing the word of God to read us. You with me? And when it reads us, and brings correction, that we make the correction. Last week, I had mentioned something about having the courage to ask the Lord how he sees you. And that, um, so our challenge was to ask him. And then on Tuesday night, that Dr. Baker went into great depth on that, uh, um, asking, um, to, learning to see yourself from God's perspective. Now, here's not what, the, 
the the thing is not he sees me cute, he sees me sweet, he sees me happy, he sees me in this, and he sees me in this. Those are byproducts, if you will, occurrences of your life, part of your journey, but that's not the vision. That's not the vision, that's the outcome. You see, because when God sees you, when he sees me, he's looking at Jesus. He is not. He's looking at how the body, he's looking at the body of Jesus. And so he's looking for and at the same power that worked through Jesus being evident in us. And he's expecting the same results. That's right. That's right. That's right. So if you got cute stuff and he sees you married and happy with this and that and the other, uh, power first. That's right. Obedience first. <laughs> Change first. <laughs> then that stuff comes. But if you're sitting there waiting for the number two bus or what vehicle do you drive now? Yeah, okay, so does it go for a number, what, what rock number or whatever? Uh, it, it could be 902. Okay, so are you waiting for the 902 uh, light rail? <laughs> <laughs> to, to come and Alicia to be there saying, get on and, and, and all your power's here? It's not happening. Mm -hmm. It's in us yeah. to be released through us. That's right. Okay. Say okay. 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 All right, good. Okay. And then we can go on to the pretty one. Go to the next. Let's see that? Passion. Zeal and focus. Push that uh, down button one more time, Rachel. Oh, it that's moves. so cool. I know. Isn't that pretty? That's to give you something pretty. Okay. But the point of it is, is that passion is not passive. Zeal is not passive. And focus is not passive. It looks good, but it's moving. And it moves a lot. Okay. That's the thing. And I want you just to, to focus on that. And pause for that. Next Sunday, we're celebrating the beginnings of, well, the month of December is coming in. It's our own Apostle Baker's birthday. So I don't know all what's planned, but I know that these envelopes are really cool. Mm -hmm. That she's having one a birthday next week, and then she's going to have one next year, and so forth and so on. So let's move beyond what we think to what God says. Yes. Okay. It's the best cause, I think, of this is, for me, that's one of my primary life sources right there, literally. Okay. And um, literally, <laughs> that's my life source right there. Ask her how many times I tried to put that cord back. <laughs> I have passion, I have zeal, and I have focus. <laughs> she has sword. <laughs> that's what mamas do. That's what mamas do, okay? Okay. So, anyway. Keep moving. This is what we're talking about. Passion moves. Zeal, this is movement. We talked about this on Wednesday night. Judge Connie asked a question that just kind of lit it up. And I think it was you that asked the question. And anyway, we went into some areas of life that we're going to continue in the conversation today. So let's go on. You remember the slide. From the beginning, that God created man in his own image, and he was pleased with the man he made. And we know that man departed from that image, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, but the intent of God was for man to do what? Return. So our whole life is about returning. Returning everything that we think. Returning every, everything that we do and say and see. How we live. Returning to him. 
turning away from what the world has taught us and going back to, uh, so that it's not only from the beginning, but we're going back to the beginning. To the beginning of God's dream, to the beginning of God's desire. He created man in his own image. Our job is to return to that image, okay? He, get, he does the work. We provide the obedience. Because everything that he made in Mahode was good. You can go on. I just wanted to, to touch on that. And these are just, these are reviewed to get to the point. So uh, you can rewatch these, or we've talked a lot about these in, in a, the previous weeks. And we have some things that we're going to get to today. But this is an important foundation, that all things are possible with the wisdom of God. And from the beginning, Jesus said, from the beginning was not so. When he was speaking on the traditions of man and the ways of religion that were saying that this is what God, what God means, you know, this is, this is what religion does. Um, God says very clearly, black is black and white is white. And we say, well, what he really meant by that is that there are shades of and periods of and times of and together you know he meant black is black and white is white. That's right. That's exactly what he meant. And there wasn't any shading of it in the beginning. And so the things that are seen, those, those are the things that you see in this world. Those compromises of belief, those compromises of behavior, those coming up with a new doctrine to justify bad behavior. Okay? It's not acceptable to God. It is, it's acceptable to man, but God said no. And Jesus was telling them, you see, all these things that you came up with, all the stuff that you're talking about, God didn't say it. And so what you're telling me is so now, I'm telling you from the beginning it was not so. And when he says from the beginning it was not so, it is not encompassing the things, but you know, we understand that we're in a different time. He's saying, and since it wasn't so from the beginning, it's not so now. That's what it means. From the beginning it wasn't so. And since it wasn't so, it wasn't true then, it's not true now. That's right, that's right. That's what he's saying. And so when we look at this, therefore, the things that are seen that are not to be can be changed. One of the ways that we talk about that is um, knowing who we are. Let me put this out. Uh, I'm going to put it ahead of schedule so that you have this thought as we're going. Is that you're looking, you and I, we are looking to dispossess the adversary and his minions and his doctrines from the places that God has told you to possess. In other words, when you are overcoming, you are dispossessing the adversary of the idea that you belong to him. That's right. Yes. I'm going to get that thought out your mind. Minister <laughs> <laughs> was talking about you know the things that Mama never said. They say, well, yeah, you're going to change that thought. That's right. Right? <laughs> uh, is that what you've been thinking? Well, I got some news for you. I got the education ahead. This education has come. Okay, so maybe not said so far, but I think it's in the spirit of this kind of mother. <laughs> okay, so those scriptures you can read, but this is the primary point. From the beginning, it was not so. From the beginning, it was not so. And from the beginning. So, do you understand that there's no end to that? From the beginning. It started that way. He talked about the law of first mention. Honey, there's no... Um, addendum to the first mention. That's right. 
If he said, light be, and he is the light, and he's still going, then those words are continuing on. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. So that's the concept. When you write that from the beginning is not so on your notes, understand that's what you're saying. Going from the beginning. From the beginning, you were filled with perfection. Hallelujah. From yes, the beginning. Because Satan did not create man. God yes. did. Yes. And God did not use broken parts. He did not, you know, well, we're very much into DIY and recycling and repurposing and all those other things. And I think that's good. I like it. I do it a lot. Okay. But understand something. The parts of men and the things that are in us were 100% genuine God produced. That's yes, right. Because yes. it came about by what he said. <laughs> And he wasn't quoting anybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. So we were filled with perfection because we were filled with perfect words, shaped by perfect words. Perfect words. Perfect words. Well, we're going to do. Don't try to bring me any current. From the beginning. That from the beginning power changes when you are to glory. I'm glad y'all all all amen in me because the challenge is coming. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You may have been going wrong. But you weren't created that way. You see? Why? Because from the beginning, perfection was on the inside. So, yeah, but what about this that happened and sin came in the world and this person was born homosexual and this person was born this and this person was born that. And, and so, you know, when they were first born, they didn't have time to be all that. That's right. <laughs> they knew nothing about it. How you going to tell somebody, well, you're a homosexual. I don't even know what that is. All I know right now is um, hungry, thirsty, mm, a little uncomfortable. That's all I know. So all this other stuff. Is, is, is sometimes I think a lot of it is, is doctrines that people make up because we don't have the right answer. So I gotta come up with something that sounds kind of spiritual. That's right. That's right. Right? That's right. Why is there this? Well, you know, the reason that there's this is why did they have to die? Well, because God wanted little flowers in um, heaven. No, no. Because the flowers that came on the earth didn't come from dead people, they came from works. And if he wants flowers in heaven, which I'm sure he has them, I know, because I have a rose garden up there. Um, and there's not a single one of them that has the face of a dead person. Come on. Dead on the earth, okay? Nobody's dead in heaven. So, precious little babies. The precious little babies in heaven are precious little babies in heaven. They're not flowers. You may have thought wrong, but you weren't created to think that way. (laughs) That's how you modify it. I may have been thinking wrong, but I wasn't created to stay wrong. So there's hope there. If you've been wrong, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. You're just wrong. Say, yeah, but I wasn't created that way. (laughs) I love it. Dirty. Make sure Dion sees this before you say that. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? I may be thinking wrong, but I wasn't created to think wrong. 
because it's divine perfection is what is, is the source of, of my origin. That's, my, that's the source of my origin. He is. Okay. So from the beginning, let me see if I can put this in slides. Oh, no, I want to see. From the beginning, it said, and that is such a pretty place, that yes. Jesus spoke for, thought like, and acted like God. Now, the Jesus that thought, spoke for, thought like, and acted like God, the spirit of, of that Jesus of Nazareth left, but his body is still here. Right? And yes. I'm faith on you now. The body is still here. Right here. Okay? <laughs> now, the body of Jesus identifies with and thinks like God. Go to the next slide, Chris, so they don't see it. There, okay. So he identifies with and thinks like God. Always has, always will. Always has, always will. He is not searching to find himself, and so his body shouldn't be either. <laughs> and there's another one that just ran out. <laughs> I'm just trying to find my identity in Jesus. That's it right there. You in Jesus. You're part of his body. And his identity is your identity. That's right. Well, we just saw like I can now you can get help your clients to get to good stuff. We just solved the issue of identity. I'm having an identity crisis. No, you're not. You're not. You were told that. But it's not true. Well, I'm of this generation and this generation. The only generation you need to be of is the kingdom. That's right. Yes. 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 I'm still sitting at my table for one, but at least I'm in the middle of the room now. <laughs> I'm a kingdom citizen, so I have to identify with and think like Jesus because there is no other identity for a kingdom citizen. That's right. There's nothing else that a kingdom citizen can do. I'm a citizen of the kingdom, but I don't think that I agree with that. You're not. Which one are you? Which one are you? Are you citizen of the kingdom or are you not citizen of the kingdom? That's right. Because it's like, what do you mean? I, 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 I'm, I have a right to my own opinion. No, you don't. You don't. You have a right to God's opinion. Oh, God. That's right. All right. Okay. That's the only one. I have. I have my own mind. You can't in the kingdom. You have a mind of Christ. That's You're right. his body. That's you right. don't have your own mind. You come out of that one. And some of us, it's like, praise God, I can leave that thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> some of us were, were, were authentically crazy. <laughs> Paganistic, hedonistic, uh, no. even straight up. Like Fred Sanford's, oh, what was that? That's a heathen. He's just a heathen. Okay? I can only identify with and think like Jesus. Okay? Now, go on. God's mindset is our life-changing method. How he thinks. So I took the same words, and we just changed the word kingdom. You can switch it. But you take out kingdom and put God, and it's the same. So cultivating God views. I didn't say God's view. I said God views. Okay? 
God's views and God's thoughts cause God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's understanding, and God's insight to form within you, oh which means you will speak with God's vocabulary. You know, there's a lot of people, well, I think God called me to be a prophet. Well, a prophet, you don't have to say what God says. That's right. That's right. Well, I am going to, but first I need to exegete and relegate and relegate. <laughs> well, then you prophesying for Jezebel. That's it. That's right. And you know what happens to them. How can you say that? Because that's what God says. <laughs> Because that's what God says. That's what he says. This is not, <laughs> you, that's not my style. Well, I, I just feel that I should be able to, I should be able to, okay, let's go back one more time, and then we'll get to what you're able to. God's mindset is your life-changing power. I said that, but you can put a Y in front of that. Oh, okay. God's mindset is your life-changing power. Cultivating God's views. Getting his. Taking God's views. I said views because it's it's everything, everything, every kingdom of, 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 of society, every which the Bible says in Revelation will what? The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. So get in on the ground floor, which is actually the top floor, because you're above it, not beneath it. That's right. To speak what needs to be said to change it and to rule. It's all about rulership, about dominion power, cultivating his views and his thoughts, cause his wisdom. You see, if I'm only taking what God says, if I'm only seeing it from God's uh, perspective, if I'm only listening to God's thoughts, if, if I'm only listening to God's thoughts, then that means that I'm fighting a fight. Because the thoughts that want to come first, in the beginning of this thing, are not his thoughts. They're the natural thoughts of what is possible or impossible based upon the abilities of man without God. That is where impossible comes from. People thinking about how they cannot do this and they're not thinking about God at all. That's why Jesus said, I believe, said, the things that you're talking about are impossible with man, but they're not impossible with God. With God, all things are possible. And so if you're thinking something is impossible, you're not thinking about doing it with God. That's right. That's right. Now that's going to simplify some things for some of us. All the stuff that you've told, told people you can't do. Okay? And I'm not talking about I can't, I, uh, uh, the, the religious stuff. But I'm saying, oh, no, I, I, can't, I can't see how that could ever happen. I can't, I can't, I, I can't even imagine um, being able to um, move out of this financial. I can't even... I, I, just, I'm so overwhelmed. The thought of even, oh no, you know, um, never really a, a job that pays more, having a business that just, oh, I can't trades that, that really just, I mean, sliding right through, knowing just what to do. No, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I, woo, but I, it, that's hard. That's impossible. No, it's not. Only reason you think that is because you're thinking independently, and that should help you because it's like, oh. So, in other words, I've been thinking wrong, but from the beginning it was not so. That's right. So I can change from what is not him 
I can let it go to take on what's in me. It's in me to think like God because God is in me. Are you seeing this? It's in you if you're born from above. If you belong to him, it's in you to think right. It's in you not to be afraid of internal revenue service or the power company or the, um, the mortgage people. It's in you not to fear what man can do. God is not afraid of what man can do. The Bible says Jesus knew their thoughts and he wasn't impressed with them because he knew what man would do. But it never one time said that Jesus said, I'm scared of y'all. Never. It's the thought of living without fear scares people. <laughs> Wait for it. You might, the devil might hear you. Oh, we don't want to say, we don't want to tempt the devil. You can't tempt the devil. He's the one called the tempter. How are you going to tempt him? work or I'll wait till after the holidays. <laughs> right? Okay? But your job is going to be to determine that I'm going to take God's views and God's thoughts and that's going to cause God's wisdom and his knowledge and his understanding and his insight to form within me. Um, you do understand that in everything I'm saying, I'm talking about this. Talking about the Word of God. So that we get to a place where we're able to um, determine what God will say to us and the things that He will not. Okay? And so that you'll be able to understand this is what He's saying God's views. When I look at this scenario from His perspective, this is what I see. When I look at this, um, when I hear you say certain things, my thoughts become God's thoughts to respond. I can give you an example. Yesterday, my brother came out 
they helped me to do some things in my house, my, my brother um, Alfred back there and my nephew Jared. And so we made some changes and then um, I had Al come with me to do the things that my husband should be doing, but since he's not home right now, my brother is uh, helping me out. Okay. And so we're running these errands and one of them included me taking my little bottles to the, the place and doing stuff. Well, I parked in, um, it was so packed out and I, I don't, Saturday's not the day to go there, that I pulled up into a place just to be able to let Al get out with all of the bottles. Well, um, I was parked in front of something that, that I, just bottom line, I shouldn't have been parked there. So as I'm getting ready to go back to the car to, to move it, this lady comes up and she starts to tell me that uh, this is her business and I'm in front of it and blah, 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 blah. So I listened to her and then I said, you're right, I need to move you know, the car. And so then she decided to say, yeah, well, um, you know, uh, blah, 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 I don't think you understand because it's this and it's this and this. I said, I do understand and you're right, I'm in the wrong, so, you know, okay. And so then she says to me, no. <laughs> she said to me, no, I don't think you understand. She says, because if you did understand, um, you would you, you would have moved the car. And I said to her, you're still talking. So when I said that, she said, I'm gonna call the police, I'm gonna do this. I said, I think we're done. I'm gonna move the car. I was in the wrong, period. Well, what I did, I moved the car, went out, we did some other stuff, and then as we were, I'm listening, I'm looking, I said, see, that was over the top. So what does that say? Something's wrong with her. And I don't mean something's wrong with her because she decided she had to cuss me out. Something's wrong. Her response was so over the top. Something was hitting her. And my job was to pray. And I could pray, and I could pray with power. Why? Because I agree with your adversary quickly. That's right. And there was never any, and she's, I still pray, I'm still praying for this woman because there's more. There was an interaction there. You know, you want, oh, well, this, that. No, no. And the beauty of it, the power of it, is that from the beginning of it, my response was never to go on the defense. I was wrong. Okay, I was wrong. She was hurting. She went over the top, really over the top. But it was, there was a shield around me that I was really aware of. It's like, I'm not bothered by this. I'm bothered by something else. And it was so easy to say, you're wrong. I was listening to what, from God's view, God wanted to do something. She couldn't hear anything that I said. She heard that last thing. But she couldn't hear anything that I said. And really, even when I said what I did, it wasn't a, being a smart aleck. It was like, I, I'm, what do you want me to do? Just walk away from me? You know? But the thing was, is that she her. And so whatever was going on, that seemed to hit a mark. That's not good. Do you understand? It's, 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 yeah. we, but, but it is good that it's like, okay, now I've become aware of something. I see you. You're not somebody that's just bothering me and or cussing me out and how dare you. Or I see you. God's you. You understand? When you see them, when we see them, he, it's because he sees them. We're seeing what he sees. So his thoughts cause his wisdom, his knowledge, and so forth. But see, there are some other things that God will never tell you, right? 
Okay, so I want you to think about that. What kind of things will God never tell you? What else? What, what, what won't he say? Because people tell me all the time, God showed me this person's life. And he showed me how dastardly and demonic they are. And he showed me this, and he showed me this, and he showed me this. And it's like, did he show you, or did you go looking? <laughs> when he showed you, what did he tell you to do? Why did he tell you to tell me? Did he tell you to tell me about what you saw? No. Well, then why are you telling me? And I'm not, that's not, that, that's a really positive statement. Because it's like, what do you want me to do with this information? Yes. You're bringing it to me, is it bothering you? Or is it something that you want to gossip about? If it's bothering you, I'm the right person. If it's something you want to gossip about, I'm not. And you aren't the right person either. Because you, you got to get into his mind. That's yes. the wrong way. It's not tiptoeing around. God will never tell you what. He won't tell you to um, broadcast everybody's whatever in an inappropriate place. There are times that you do expose things, but you do it the way he wants it exposed because God is still looking for redemption. That's right. Yes. Always, always. Okay? He's looking for redemption. You read about representatives or, or, or people in Congress or whatever it is, they're in hospitals, they're, they're having this attack on their body, and, and the things that they say are anti, or are obviously part of the paganistic push to get God, anti-Christ, period, get him out of here. And do, if you catch yourself going, well, good, and you probably should die, you are of the wrong spirit. That's right. We're of the wrong spirit. While he or she is in the hospital, I pray that there's someone there, that, that there's intercession that goes on, that that room is filled with, with your presence, that, that the uh, salvation angels that have been assigned to them from the beginning are able to do the work. We want to see change. That's God's view. So God's not going to tell you that, okay? He's not going to tell you that. to understand the Bible. 
If it's hard for you to understand the Bible, let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 10, and get you saved. That's right. I'm serious. Because the, the spirit of the writer is in you. The author of the book is lives within. So how is it hard? I, I mean, I do get it to a certain extent. I've written things and go, what, what was I saying here? But this, the writer is on the inside to straighten that out, to understand, what are you saying? Help me to understand this. I want, you know, can you open this up to me? Yes, I can. And he does. All right? So this is, this is something that you have, we have to, um, we take that as being so. And, and that his word reveals his mind, keep going, that any thought process that denies or tries to change God's truth is carnal. Whether it's in the church or out of the church, it's carnal. And we're going to look at carnal. Okay? We can be carnivorous. I'm not a vegetarian and have no plans to ever be one. Amen. Okay? <laughs> you know, one day you have to look at some of the things you say amen to. <laughs> that denies what God has said or tries to change his truth into something that is pal palatable or seeker-friendly. That is not God. That is improper usage of the word of God. That ain't king. So there I've spoken to several different groups, so she's got it on one of them, okay? Any thought process, any thinking, take out thought process, it's just cute. To say any thinking that denies or tries to change God's truth is carnal. It stinks. Any of my thinking, any of the processes that I go through that lead me to the places known as self or uh, self-deception, compromise, disobedience, rebellion, because those are the thinking processes that we have to be talking about. They all deny or try to change God's truth. And you're coming up with all these little excuses or justifications. Mm -mm, it's not going to work. Listen to the word carnal. In Thayer's Greek definitions, carnal is one of the, the last definitions that they have. They have a long list. It's the earthly nature of man apart from divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God. So, your earthly nature, the earthly sensual devilish, in touch with the world, and in touch with the ways of the world, nature. That's what it is apart from God. Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do it. You can't do any of it. Apart from divine influence, the carnal mind, therefore, which is prone to sin and opposed to God, that's how, how it is. Let's look at it some more. Carnal thinking is hostile. It's insubordinate, it's disobedience, and it's defiant towards God, and it leads to death. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 7. What's happening right now is some things are being stripped away. Um, it's like we're taking off the, all of the, uh, have you ever seen a piece of, of well, it happens with like the old Victorian homes. They used to call them the pant ladies and, and things of this sort. They would 
they're, they're pieces of work, artwork or construction, furniture, that was created a certain way, antique furniture. And then um, somebody decides they don't like that color, that varnish, whatever it is, so they want to bring it into the modern and they'll spray paint it and they'll do something. The same thing with brick, brick uh, fireplaces, you know? Oh, no, this is so dated, it's so this, we'll just do this to it. And so they'll paint, spray paint or they'll, uh, you know, recover it or do something like that. And then somebody else comes along and goes, no, I don't like that, and they do something else, and then somebody else, and so there's layers and layers and layers. And then a restorer comes. Usually finding it at a garage sale for about 12 bucks. And they say, I'll take it home. And they start to strip away all of the different um, expressions of other people's taste. When what those people were saying from the beginning was, I don't like the original as it is. And so I want to change it. But the antique, the value of the antique is in that restoration. It's not in all the changes people trying to bring. Your value and my value is in what God said from the beginning. And so the word of God, one of the things it does is it starts to strip away all of the varnish and all of the, the, the layers and layers of falsity and images that we have tried to project that are not in. So that's what's happening in here right now. Is in, in, so if you're feeling a fluttering or excessive beating of your heart or any of that, or even things going on in your head, and you, you I don't know if I should stay or if I should go, or this or that. Well, those are all of those things that are being um, addressed by the Word of God. And that's the Word right. of God is saying, right. you know, I, he and she belong to me. And as the owner and the restorer, you got to go. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. That's what you're experiencing. Thank you, Jesus. So verse 7, it says, Because the carnal mind, enmity against God, that's that word hostility, for it is not subject to the law of God. And it does, it, the, the carnal mind will not submit. That's right. And that's another way you can put it. Carnal thinking is unsubmitted thinking. It is hostile, insubordinate, disobedient, and defiant toward God. But the end of it is death. So let the mind die. So that you don't. Let that mind, that 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 rebellion, that that you know, and I, I'm using words right now that we're familiar with, but we got to take them home. They have to hit home in the heart, in the places where they reside, so that they can become dislodged. Carnal thinking is toxic. Okay? It leads to come on guys, give me my slide. It leads to disobedient behavior because it comes from the unrenewed mind. It comes from the paganistic side, the dark side, if you will. Okay? And so in this process we're going through, you need to know our thinking is changed from carnal to spiritual by the word of God. That's the next slide. It's changed from carnal to spiritual by this word. Okay? Changed, by the way, doesn't mean you just take a carnal mind. And you take, we get rid of it and take on the mind of Christ. It's it's really a replacing. It is a it is a uh, execution of one absolutely destroying it to take on something that fits in the new. You know, Jesus talked about wineskins, and he said you don't put new wine into an old wineskin. This renewed person or this new species of being that we are. 
doesn't, the carnal mind doesn't fit in the new man. Okay? Volkswagen seats from 1967 do not fit in a Cadillac. That's right. The carnal mind, okay, does not fit in the kingdom citizen. Yes. And the vestiges, the habits of it that we have, um, our thinking must change from carnal. It must change here is a replacing. It, it, it is an elimination of one to bring in the new. It's not just saying, well, you know, see, the word of God, it changes. What does it do? It changes the DNA, if you will. It changes the quality. It changes the, the source of your beliefs. The word of God is the only source of truth. And that's not something that you just say, well, yeah, I've heard that, but sometimes this, that, no, no, no. And, and again, no. The power of a changed life comes by, we talked about immersion, the power comes by this. But it's not simply carrying one. Okay, you have this in the next slide. Get the power, it says, of a changed life. Well, how? Examining every thought according yes, yes, to yes. the word of God. Yes. Now, where I'm going with this, and I've got about 20-something minutes left, where I'm going with this is to begin to... Um, Begin in some places, continue in other places, on being very active in your pursuit to change. We talked about, you know, it, it's not passivity. And it, it, it's, it's not waiting for a train or a bus or a plane in a passive state. It is this change that we want is to be pursued with zeal. It is, it is a pursuit because he said it was ours. I mentioned Anthony Blackman earlier. This was something, a quality this man had. He, he and, and, and Henry Killings did too. Um, but but it, was a, it was a zeal, the, the, the zeal for your word, the zeal for who you are. I have got to know more about this, and I have got to be changed on the inside so that nothing in me hinders you from filling every place that's it, that's it. and telling me what it is that you want to do through me. Hey, let's go do this thing. I was listening to a person um, um, he, back in the, um, probably the 90s or thereabouts when they had a, a fireman that was uh, causing, he got so many fires all across the state of California. Um, mostly, yeah, state, mostly in the Southern California area. But he, there were so many of them, and he was, he was very renowned, very respected in, in the field and, and the way that he would teach and, and do all of these different things, okay? But there was another person who had been trained by him, taught by him in certain classes and certified in fire investigation that started doing some research, and the way that, this is part of the way that contributed to him being caught, was that they saw that the fires always started at a place where there was a, a congregation of fire professionals. 
And then shortly thereafter, and there were several people that died, and then there were some other things that happened. And it, this case took, I think, about 10 years or so. It took a long time before they were able to solve it. Um, because the evidence just, they couldn't find anything. But they kept going, and they kept going. And when the ATF got involved, they looked back through the old investigation, and they found these, these things. And there was one fingerprint, and the fingerprint was not in any of the databases at that time. And so when they ran all of this stuff, they found when they went through the um, Los Angeles County or, or Pasadena, wherever it was, you know, they looked and they found this. It, it wasn't in any criminal, but it was in their own, one of their own. And so my point is, is that the young, the, the, at that time, the man that had first put forth that theory, he was being interviewed and he said, wow, I'm sitting here thinking him because he's the one that taught me and he's the one that trained me and he's the one that certified me and he's the one that did this, that, and the other. And he's the one... Okay, let's go get him. <laughs> because no matter when you find out, well, Satan has been duping you in this, and he's the one that taught you this, and he's the one that turned you in this, and he's the one that led you in this, and then the word of God says to you, yes, and all this time that you've been thinking that it's been causing holes in your finances, it's been causing things to see, but it's like, wow, all this loyalty I gave to the devil, and this is this, okay, let's go get him. <laughs> let's shut it down. This is how you talk about your thinking. Everything I've been thinking that has up to now led me to this. I have looked at this and I've thought of this. I've believed this all of my life. But when I examine what I have believed and what I've been thinking according to the word of God, I just found out that I'm thinking wrong. Okay, let's shut it down. Yes. Next one. Because I'm going to examine and test and evaluate my own self to see whether I'm holding to my faith and showing the proper fruits of it. You see, if I don't examine and test and evaluate myself, not you, me, if I don't check my own fruit, how crazy would it be to say that you're going to grow a garden and you're the only person that lives there? And you come out one day after you planted the seeds and nothing has happened because you never watered it. You never weeded. You never checked it. And I would not be the one to grow the garden. Okay, so I'm doing my best here. If I'm floundering, just let me know. <laughs> um, but if I'm not cultivating that ground, if I'm not looking at what I believe, what I see, if you will, uh, according to the way that the packet, seed packet told me to do it, I'm not going to get the results that are on the front of the packet. If God, when God has, and there's no if, God has told each of us something to do. And I, but if I do not examine and test and evaluate myself to see whether I'm holding to my faith and showing the proper fruits, then the chances are I'm thinking in an old manner. And I'm waiting for him to do the part that he told me to do. The Bible says, test and prove yourself, not Christ. Do you not yourself realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you unless you are a counterfeit, disapproved on trial and rejected? That's 2 Corinthians 13, 5 in the Amplified. Unless you are a counterfeit, Thoroughly, I said, he says, test and prove yourself. 
you should realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience of change, of power, of, of increased whatever it is that he is working. I, I, I can use myself as an example because it's like, okay, yes, I'm going to the gym and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But if I am not continually realizing a resulting change, yes. I'm not pushing for it. I'm not pushing for the ever-increasing experience of Jesus Christ in me who wins every battle, who overcomes every scenario, who realizes victory, healing, and wholeness, and power, and manifestation of the glory of God in everything that he put his hand to, then I am a counterfeit. Do you see? In my task. People talk and talk and talk and talk. But the Bible says, go to the next one. When we look from a Romans 12, 1 and 2 perspective, that we make this decisive dedication of our body. It's a decision that I make that people go, and I have to make it every day. No, I stick to it every day. I made the decision. There is no other. We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday. It was kind of funny. Because I asked uh, the question, okay, so say that you believe, you you have you're the person that you've waited for to marry comes, and you're having you know the wedding and so forth, and um, you know here's this beautiful person, but then here's this other person that comes along and looks pretty good too, and so forth and so on. Are you going to cheat on your on your spouse? And the answer, of course, was no. I'm not going to cheat on my spouse. Okay, and so I asked the question. This is with Minister Al. I uh, asked the question, and I asked Crystal the next day, um, why wouldn't you cheat? Well, because of I waited so long, and I know this is the person that God gave me. I said, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then it's because of this, and it's because of that. And we all laughed about it. I'm not, I'm not uh, making fun of him at all. The Spirit of God was teaching us this. Well, aren't you doing, well, no, I, I, I'm going to win because the Word of God says this, and because the Word of God says this, and because the Word of God says this. Okay, no, actually you're not. What do you mean I'm not? You're not going to win because you don't claim the change. When you say, I'm not going to cheat because I don't cheat. It's not in me to be unfaithful. Okay, all right, now let's use this. Somebody, because immediately the, the other part is going to go, oh, you're a hypocrite. You may not be unfaithful here, but look at where you're unfaithful over here. And look at where you're unfaithful over here. Yeah. And I have the power of this testimony to address every single one of these other things. The power of testimony is that it has been done in me, through me, and will be done again and again and again and again. That's why it's a decisive dedication. Decisive dedication means where you caused me, I had a starting point of overcoming. Everybody does. Wherever you came in and something was conquered, that's your key, your seed, if you will, to be able to use the testimony of overcoming here. It's the same power at work 
um, to, to take this territory. In other words, what we're saying is when you have dominion over yourself, you're taking territory within yourself. The territory in your thinking that spoke to your finances. The territory of your thinking and beliefs that has to do with your health, your wealth, um, your relationships. The territory on the inside of how you believe, of how you get along with other people. You are conquering within yourself. Everything in me belongs to the kingdom. That's what this is saying. That's That's a decisive dedication of your body, of your members, of your faculties as a living sacrifice. And I'm doing it because it's holy and well-pleasing to God. Not because it's going to impress people. Not because it'll put me on the good preaching circuit. Not because it'll get me on those TV shows because I got a product and I had an encounter or an experience. And I'm not knocking any of that stuff. What I'm saying, most of those people or many of those people that are on those programs, they're on those programs not to sell a book or to do this, but because it was genuine and they have something in their spirit that they want that God has compelled them to share with everybody else. And the other ones, they fall off anyway. And you pray for them that they come to the real instead of the fake within themselves. Okay? So stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. But here, he says this. This decision and action is the expected response to what God has said. What my decisive dedication, my determination to use my testimony of overcoming, I overcame Uh, eating carrots. Maybe that's all it is. Or I overcame uh, buying shoes in the wrong size for the sake of vanity. That's a powerful thing. And so I see that one of the sins, one of the issues that I have had is vanity. So since I was able to destroy vanity here, I can destroy vanity here. Because I'm still, because I'm not vain about the size shoe that I wear, but I'm still buying clothes four times to whatever, small or big. Or I'm still doing this. I use the same power that overcame the shoes to overcome the shopping, to overcome the talking, to overcome the eating, to overcome the the way I treat people, the way I process and become a victim every time somebody speaks to me wrong. The same power. You do, you know what? Let me tell you why that happens. It's because you don't fight. When those thoughts come, they hate me, they do this, they do this, they do this, and I'm just, and they're talking this and this, and all this junk starts to happen, and you're not fighting it with truth because you didn't examine those thoughts. Hallelujah, that's right. That's the only reason. And what I'm saying to you is, so if that was the only reason, then hey, we can fix this. Every time I think they're looking at babysitting and they're strolling, they're judging me. I have the power to stop thinking that. How? Go into this one. Because I'm going to internalize. Oh, that's, yeah, this is the Luke's translation. Uh, Dr. Baker read this last week, so I put it up. I therefore beg of you, please, brethren, <laughs> the instrumentality of, of the aforementioned mercies of God, everything you read before. By a once-for-all presentation to place your bodies at the disposal of God, a sacrifice, a living one, a holy one, well-pleasing to him, your rational, sacred service, and 
Stop assuming an outward yeah. expression that does not come from within you. And is not representative of what you are in your inner being. But is patterned after this age. You're acting like all of them that are pagans, are absent from the presence of God. Do not know him. Do not have hope if you don't manifest so that they can see something different. Stop acting like the world. Stop it. Stop it in the way you conduct your life. That's what he's saying. He says, it's not representing who you are. You are a new species of being. You are a new creation, and you're thinking with that carnal, broken-down mind. And it doesn't fit who you are. Change your outward expression to one that comes from within. Be on the outside what you are on the inside. That's it. That's Be it. on the inside who he is in you. Yes, 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 yes. By the renewing of your mind, by this word, resulting in your putting to the test, this is examining what the will, what is the will of God? The good and the well-pleasing and complete will, and having found that it needs specifications, to place your approval upon what he said. Let me give you another way of saying that. Internalize. Go to the next one. Internalizing kingdom beliefs, kingdom ideology, kingdom wisdom, kingdom knowledge, kingdom understanding, and kingdom insight. It's vital. What's internalizing? Let this word be in you, which is also in Christ. Mm -hmm. Let this word that is in you change you. Let this word that be in you change your whole dynamic, your way you think about going to church, the way that you think about serving God, the way that you think about what you're supposed to do and what you don't do, the way you kind of just go through life, however you want to, is not what God said. That's right. It's not. You know, oh, you're just saying it to try. I'm saying it because he said it. And anything else you come up with, he didn't say my spirit is in equipped. See, this is always to promote and to put you in your position, keep you in your position. It is never to put you down. That's right. It's to put the devil down that's been leading. Yeah. My spirit is then equipped to shift every one of my feelings, emotions, attitudes, behaviors, and habits from the carnal, earthly, sensual, and devilish perspective to God's point of view forever, just like Jesus. It's a forever thing. It's not, it's not occasional. We get into trouble because we don't have the zeal. I'm talking from experience here. But I told them on Wednesday, I refuse to ever again be the poster child for everything to do wrong. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Somebody else, I don't recommend taking the spot, but it's there if somebody wants it. I think it should just be an abandoned shack. I don't think anybody that belongs to God should want to take on being the poster child. For uh, everything that you can do wrong and keep doing. Okay? God's in the beginning point of view of how you are to live your life is completely doable. It's doable. And it's required. Yes. It's required. It's required. 
Say it. It's required. It's required. All, of sudden, all of a sudden, it got hot and sweaty, and it's like, this is a hard one in here now. This is a hard one. This is a hard one. Okay, well, we only have six minutes, so let's go to this next one, and let me try to get us here. And next week, or Wednesday, tune in. I'll be doing it from home, but I'm going to talk about this, I think. If not, I'll talk about the following week. Focus. This is focus activation to expose lies and gain understanding. we got to go real quick. So those are the scriptures. Go on, because we're going to come back to them. This is the question that you're asking. Where do you feel, believe, or think that you're powerless to change? Where are you telling yourself this? What is this seeing you? This is sin that uh, we read it in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews, I think it's chapter 12, where he says the thing that you need to overcome, the, the, the sin that so easily besets you, or the, the issue, issue that you haven't struggled with trying to overcome, but you're thinking it's just so hard, it's just so difficult. I'm trying and I'm struggling. What, where, is, where in your mind, where in your life, where are in your feelings, or what in your doings, in your practices of life, in your doing life, do you believe or feel or think that um, you are powerless to change? Write that down because you're going to go after it because everything that we've talked about, God's wisdom, God's point of view, all those things are intrinsically a part of who you really are. But if you don't choose, if I don't choose to discover and to accept who I really am and live from that place, then I will continue to meander through life and fail and ultimately die a failure. And I don't want it for me or for any of us. So the decision while we're still here is to do what we need to do to stay here. Even though it's a better place with him, it's not my place right now. That's it. Okay? So wherever you feel this way, you see, it's just, oh, I don't know, I've got to think about, okay? I mean, it, it's not hard. You're not struggling with that. You know exactly where it is because it's in your area of disobedience. It's always in our areas of disobedience. It's where you're not obeying God. Well, I think he said this, but maybe he didn't say it. I'm not sure that he really said that. You know, if you're in doubt of, of right behavior, whether God wants you to do it or not, let me remove the doubt. He wants you to do right. He wants us to obey him. Okay, so wherever you feel that, go into the next one. Then you're going to answer this question for all that. Where in God's word has he said that your power is to change? See, there's power in that because the answer, you already know. Nowhere. Nowhere. Okay? Nowhere. It doesn't say it. So, what you're going to do, Psalm 119, 130, you're going to read it in the New King James, okay? And basically what this one is, is that Judge Connie brought this to my attention. The entrance of his word brings light. Okay? But it also says that, the, um, that he gives um, knowledge to the simple. So we qualify, and simple means the silly people. Yes. He helps us. Uh, not knowledge, understanding. He brings understanding to the simple. Okay? Then in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, which I was just talking about, how it says, lay aside this other stuff, and read it in the Passion Translation. If you have the eSword, update your thing, because the Passion Translation is free in there. Or you go to the Bible.com site, if you don't happen to have the, the paper book version, or swing by my office, and um, or up here we'll open the page and you take a picture of it, whatever you need to. And then read Romans 8, 31 um, through 39. I want to read that in, in the Amplified. So let's go there and that's where we're going to end because we've got about two minutes, okay? So Romans 8, 31.
And the Amplified says, what then shall we say to, to all this other stuff? If God is for us, who, who is against us? Who can be against us? Who can be our enemy if God is on our side? He, did, he who did not withhold or spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? See, we really have to come to this understanding that we have everything that we need. We have everything that we need. Um, who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies? It's God who puts us in right relationship to himself. We don't do it. Who will come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Now there's a good scripture. Will God, who, acquit, who acquits us, and we release that into our president now in the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Who shall ever separate us from Christ, God's, Christ's love? Shall suffering, affliction, and tribulation, or calamity, and distress, or persecution, or hunger, or destitution, or peril, or sword? No. You can read the rest. I'm going to go down to verse 37. Yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors, and we gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. And then he says, I'm persuaded beyond doubt and sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities or things impending and threatening nor things to come nor powers, height, death, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Take that exercise. Do, we're going to do some things with it. I may send out instructions by way of uh, email for it. Uh, we'll pick up on this again the next time as the Spirit of God leads. But this is what I want to say. No more excuses. We're going to go for this with everything in us, which is yes. Him. Yes. And we're going to manifest as the sons of God in this place. Because there are people that are dying for the wrong reasons. And we are part of what God wants to do or to speak through to help us as well as help others. So I release that to you all with God that's down in love. And thank you all for joining us. Join us again in about 15 minutes for Dr. Baker's program.